Today's gospel is from Mark chapter 4. This will serve as the basis for the sermon today. You're going to hear two back-to-back parables about seeds being planted that are meant to challenge you and inspire you in the way you think about the working of God's good news and word in the world. Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear family of believers, you who put your hope in Christ as an anchor for the soul, as a seed placed deep inside that it might take root and bear all of its fruits in your life, in the power of Jesus' name, God bless the word and the seed you get to hear this morning. There's a smile, I think, it's a guess, I'm reading between the lines, on Jesus' face when he speaks these parables. How do you know when someone's on their favorite topic? Maybe because they're always bringing it up, or they have this way of sort of gushing about it. How do you know when someone's really getting going? This is kind of what's fun about getting to know people and asking questions, and suddenly their face lights up, and their words just come gushing out, an experience they had or something that they get to do, and it just comes pouring out of them, right? And you can kind of catch their excitement and their joy and the passion that they have about something, you know, like a hobby or whatever. That animated language and life is here in Scripture. You're hearing it in all of the lessons this morning. You're getting to listen to God's favorite topic. And God's favorite topic is the marriage of a person with his word. There is nothing that beats it. And he saves the most beautiful pictures, the best ones, for this. If you could take something in life and turn it into the paradise language, right? If you could pick something that you get to do or experience in the world and say, you know what that was like? That was like a tree planted by streams of water. Yeah, that tree was so good. That, plat, that spot was so great. Whatever it did prospers. And its leaves never withered. You know, it was bearing its fruit in every season it was supposed to do in all the right stuff, all the right places, everything just wonderful. Pick something in life to talk like that about. What is it? 
And then you ask that question to Jesus. And with that smile on his face and that joy in his heart, what should we compare the kingdom of God to? When you talk about it in your family, when I talk about it in my family, we're going to illustrate it with something in this world. To what should we compare it? Because this is worth talking about and comparing. And that's what Jesus is doing in these double whammy parables. I've been fired up by it all week long in a way that would challenge and restore my confidence in the word of God that would fully equip me to be a proclaimer of that word without reservation, with full steam ahead confidence to say, go give them that word, preacher, because this is what happens when that word is preached. Wow! That's what Jesus is doing for his disciples today. He is picking something common to make it common to us. Taking the parables often grab something you well know, like putting seeds in the ground, gardeners and green thumbs. I know you're out there. You've got your seeds that you've planted and you've done this year after year, and they do this crazy thing of growing out of the ground. You don't always even get it. You're taking something common so that you can have a spiritual truth made common to you. And the subtle under-reality of all of that is that spiritual truths are not by nature common to us. Jesus needs to take something you know well, like watching springtime seeds bud and grow and be harvested, so that you can think about spiritual things with the same common understanding, that it would just be your default position. Why? You don't scratch your head every year and say, why are you planting seeds? What a risk-taking thing to do, you know? What a waste of money, because you know it's not going to work. No, it's become such a staple. You know it. And the world has been planting seeds forever. And so here it is that Jesus says, let me tell you something that you can just do and do and do and do and do because it's good. It's the best. That's how Jesus speaks about this. I don't know if you've heard or watched The Chosen. I've been kind of dropping hints that I would like some feedback on the series, a TV series that's for free. The largest crowd-funded project in media, um, I think, ever. In term, and they're making episodes based on Jesus' ministry, but from the perspective of disciples, like backstories for Paul and or for Peter and Matthew and other disciples, and watching them get to experience and meet Jesus and and what it was like to see him do a miracle. There's an episode in the Chosen. If you haven't heard of it, check it out. There's episode number three, season one. That's Jesus and the little children. And. I haven't gotten over that episode. And I know I've mentioned to it to a few of I I've mentioned it to two of you before. Uh, a few of you have heard this already, but Jesus is meeting some children. He's living outside a city. He's all by himself. He's kind of like, you know, camp, camp mode. You know, making his own fires and building his own woodwork projects and stuff like that. And these kids come out from the town. They're like peeking over the boulders and looking at who's this stranger out there. Who are you? You know, they're meeting him informally, just organically, you know. 
and getting, and Jesus invites them in, and, well, you guys can help me with these projects. They kind of learn, stranger danger gets over, and they learn that he can trust him and, and show up and, and start having a conversation. And somebody's asking him, you know, where do you get all this stuff? Well, my, my father takes care of me, Jesus says. Well, is your father rich? You know, and Jesus kind of has a smile on his face. Yeah, he's rich. He's one way to put it, kind of a thing. It's really neat little moments, you know, as they're just asking little kid questions. And then Jesus says to the children, have you been learning the Shema? And the kids say, yeah, we've been. Can you say it? And in unison, there's like six kids around doing their little projects around Jesus and and they don't say, the Shema is a Deutero- section of Jude- Deuteronomy in Hebrew. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in the TV episode, they're reciting in English, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, and the Lord is one. And they keep going, all six of them in unison, like watching your Sunday schoolers recite or sing to you on a Sunday morning. And you should see Jesus' face. He's looking at them for a little while and then he's just looking at the ground and his mouth opens. He's not all smiles. He's just sponging it all. Soaking in every little syllable that's coming out of the kids' lips as they're reciting his word to them. And then his lips start to move as he's Of course, he's got it memorized, too. And it's just a beautiful moment they created in that series. It's only a minute long. The music is playing in the background. And these kids are saying their scripture. Jesus is almost overwhelmed. And they finish, and he says, Beautiful. Can you see Jesus moving his lips when the scriptures are read to you? Can you see what Jesus sees when he thinks of his word going into that soil? It's so precious to him. How can I describe it? How can I describe it? He says, So what shall we compare it? And he's dealing with things that we need to learn. Things that, this will change the way you read the Bible for the rest of your life. Jesus knows it's going to shape and mold and and give sight, a certain picture, a certain sight that you can never untangle or undo or get out of your eyeballs. He says, let me me put this out there. It's like a, a farmer scattering his seed. He puts it in the ground. You know what he does after he puts it in the ground? He goes to bed and sleeps. And he gets up and he does other stuff. And that seed, just like, how? He doesn't even know how. It grows and becomes this little shoot, this little stalk, and it gets its head, and it gets its full kernel in the head, and then when it's ready for the harvest, he, then he shows up again, and he's back in the garden, and he puts a sickle to it, and wow, we got a harvest. It's this beautiful process, and it's so instructive for us to think of what the Word of God does on the heart. This is an experiential way for us to remember this is kind of what this is like. I don't really know 
how it works. Do you? I know that God has said, tell the people this. And I know that God has said, when you tell the people this, my spirit is working on their hearts. And I can't like, I know the binoculars don't work right to like say, oh, there's the spirit. Look at that go. I can't necessarily see how it happens. But God is saying, Jesus is saying, farmer, go to bed. You just planted the seed. That's your job. I'll make it grow. Let me handle the how. You do the what. The whole emphasis is on the what. That the what is happening. Even though you scratch your head saying, I don't know how. You ever had those moments with a sermon or in worship? And you're like, I don't really know yet how this applies to my life. Maybe you're still struggling with the what. But something happens later in that week. Or maybe you have a follow-up conversation. Maybe we're on the phone together. And I say, remember that time I preached on this or we had this in Bible class and that passage came up and it meant this. And it's like, oh, ding, that really meets, that meets this spot in my life. That little seed that was there, that was planted, can bear its fruit. And you have a, you have a devotional life and you're reading a passage and maybe you're, you're kind of mulling it over, you're thinking about it and, and something hits you later on. How did that happen? How did that happen? How did it go? Eric, we're celebrating this morning a year ago tomorrow. Your first time here. Here he is today. Still growing. How did it happen? I don't know. What did I do? I just shared the word. God did the rest. I was on the phone with Steve Pratt this week. You know, one of our members. He has not been able to be around with COVID uh, happening and given his life circumstances. And he said to me, you know, I was away from church for years. For years I was away from church. And came back, and you know what happened? It's a part of me now. I really miss being with you all. But it's a part of me. I don't know the how. I don't see it with my eyes from A to Z. But I know that God is using it. And that's the point. You farmers don't always know the how. But you know that God is there with his word to do his work. And that's why it's a kingdom of God parable and not a kingdom of the farmers parable. This isn't your kingdom. It's not up to you. It doesn't depend on you. You don't have to understand all that they have all the right words in order for this to work, in order for this to go. Oh, should I say anything to my neighbor? Should I don't? What if I don't have the perfect illustrations to teach my children this truth? How are they ever going to learn it? Uh, don't throw your hands up in the air. Trust, trust the seed and trust the real sower at work through his word. And he blesses it. The what? God blesses it. All the way to such a degree, notice how this rounds out. Remember how the first parable ends? He says it gets it to the full grain and its full head, that they, from, from little on, from stalk to full grain, all these faith expressions are being given in their season. The kids talk about Jesus as their Savior, and you do in a different way, in different circumstances, but it's the same saving faith. It's the same plant. It's the same strength. It's the same God. And then 
when you're done in the kingdom of God, God knows when to bring out the sickle. I think this is a special moment Jesus has in this parable to talk to you about. I know when your teaching and your words and the fruits of your faith that I have put, I've put faith in your heart, God has prepared works in advance for you to do. Do you remember that passage? God has planned works and fruits in your life. And when he's done with your words and using you in your situation and your family and your fruits of faith and your encouragement and your love and your patience and your forgiveness that come pouring out from, the, from root up through the gospel, then he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And he'll come. He'll take you home when he's ready. He shows up and brings out the sickle and celebrates the harvest in the kingdom of God. See, it all depends on him, his timing, and his power. It takes our little puny thoughts and ways and minds and imagination and opens the door as wide as God can open it, as wide as an infinite God is, right? And just says, go use that word. Now he follows it up with another parable. The second parable that he said was, what shall we say to describe the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed. That's the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Well, that's the smallest one they would have known in the ancient Near East. You can find smaller seeds. But it's the one that everybody in his audience is going, oh yeah, that's the smallest one. You, know, you line up the seeds on the table, the mustard seed is on the small end from smallest to greatest, okay? And he says, it's the smallest of all those seeds on earth, but when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the plants with such great branches the birds can perch in its shade. Look at that. Who saw that one coming? You go pick a seed. If you want a really big plant, pick a seed from the small. They're lined up on the table. Which one are you going to pick? From smallest to largest, which, which seed are you going to pick for the largest plant? You'd probably go for the big one. Why does Jesus call the work of the kingdom of God and the message of the gospel like the smallest seed? Because that's how we see it by nature. This is a slam. The smallest seed is how it looks to us. The smallest seed is how Small worship can be in your life compared to other things that are so important, like having a job and making money, having enough money, keeping that money, using that money, having friends, having lots of friends, having the right friends, being fun, being popular, having fun, having pleasure, all these other loves, those are big seeds. Oh, yeah, which one are you going to take to plant and, be, and get a really something nice for yourself? Grab the big seed. Grab the big seed, says the world. Grab the big seed. Of all the things you could do this week, there's a lot of big seeds calling for your attention. There's that little seed. It's like, yeah, devotion tomorrow? Do I really need it? It's just a little seed, right? Just a little Really, I went to church yesterday. It's just a little seed. Of all the things I need to do on a Monday to get ahead on this week, all the things I need to do the rest of the day besides church planning with my fellow members, I'd probably do something else. There's a lot of bigger seeds that call for your attention. This little small seed, the work of the gospel. What are we really going to accomplish anyway? 
just a small seed, just a man dying on a cross, the foolishness of God that puts a curse on the wisdom of man. That's the same thing the word smallest is doing in this parable. It's putting a curse on your thinking of what a big seed really is. And he says, you know what? This is Jack and the Beanstalk. Got written all over it. Jack and the, this is a, this is a crazy seed. You never saw anything grow like this before. It's the smallest one that becomes the biggest growth. A curse upon my sense. A curse upon my reason. A curse upon my false loves. There is something we have from God that grows the biggest plant. Can I tell you about it? You see Jesus' face light up? Can I, can I plant this seed? Can we have a devotion today? Can we put the Bible in the middle of the dining table and not over in the corner collecting dust? Can we have a devotion today? Because that's God's word. That grows a really big plant. That's better than any. I love Jack and the Beanstalk. Think of that thing shooting out of the ground. If you had that in your pocket, wouldn't you use it? Isn't your life changed by the parables that Jesus teaches? This is how you see, this is how you see it now. It's the mustard seed in the world's eyes, but it's the greatest plant and fruit, and I'm never going to forget it. My dear brothers and sisters, I am overwhelmed by this text. And I am so fired up. I've always thought that a congregation, an individual believer included, has three keys, at least three, (laughs) to your spiritual growth. Worship, regular worship. That we would plant that seed of God's law and gospel on your heart together as a family of faith and sing and pray and be together. Bible study. Some sort of Bible study, small group, large group, with someone else. Have someone else in your life, a Bible study environment that excites you and that you are gravitated to get in around the word with other believers. Worship, some sort of Bible study, and a devotional life at home. May all three of those be forever changed and challenged by the parables Jesus has set before you today. By what he sees, that word goes into your heart to grow, be harvested, become this large plant. God continue to use us and our families, our little times, our big times, our all the time together to grow our faith and strengthen us in him we would be his planting now and forever. Amen.